my God. My God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? From the words of my groaning. My God, I cry by day, but you do not answer. By night, but I find no rest. Yet you are holy. In, in your ancestors trusted. To you they cried and were rescued. But I am a worm and not a human. All who see me mock me. He trusts in the Lord. Let him deliver him. Yet you are he who took me from the womb. He made me trust you at my mother's breast. Oh, you was I cast from my birth. On you was I cast from my birth. Be not far from me, nor for trouble is near. Many bulls encompass me. Strong bulls of Bashan surround me. They open wide their mouths at me. Like a roaring lion, I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted within my breast. My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue sticks to my jaws. You lay me in the dust for death. For dogs encompass me. A company of evildoers encircles me. I can count all my bones. They divide my garments among them. The word of the Lord. Let us pray. Father, may your spirit be among us and upon us to heal and redeem us. And may be all be done to your glory alone. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. In response to the perennial question of the afflicted, where are you, God? It has become commonplace in my preaching, teaching, and pastoral care to declare that God is right in the middle of our loss and pain. It's a truth that I've experienced in my own life, and it becomes increasingly powerful and transformational as I continue in the life of faith. But I must proclaim something more to you than this extraordinary truth that God is with us in our pain. For God is not just the God who has chosen to be with us in our loss and pain, not only collecting our tears in a bottle, as the, prophet, or the psalmist so poetically puts it, but weeping with us as we weep. God is not just the God who comforts us in our loss, who holds us close, keeps us from falling, 
And underneath are the everlasting arms, as we said in our opening sentences. God is not just the God who by the presence of the Spirit soothes and slowly heals our wounds, binding up the brokenhearted, as the prophet says. God is also the God who rescues and redeems. Again, as the psalmist so graphically says, he rescued me from the slimy pit. But, but if, as we have also proclaimed repeatedly, not just myself but others up here, that God's ultimate plan is the redemption, restoration, and reconciliation of all of creation, then the pit itself can and will be redeemed. See, for far too long I've had much too narrow an understanding of God's redemptive work. I have been tempted at times to believe that God will redeem my soul from this sinful body, or Christians will be redeemed from this sinful world. But that doesn't even begin to touch the beauty, the grandeur, the all-encompassing vision of God's redemptive work. Not only can God comfort and in time heal us, from our loss and pain, God can redeem our loss and pain itself. One of the things that I've learned from my own life and my caring relationships with others is that initially our pain, loss, grief, and adversity can constrain our lives, constrain us. It can, it can even paralyze us at times, and I'm sure people have experienced that uh, in their own lives. If the loss and hurt are severe enough, They can shape our our character in negative and destructive ways. However, if we allow it, as the healing and redeeming work of the Spirit continues in our lives, the point can and will come when quite miraculously, and it is a miracle that I just am in awe about, quite miraculously our wounds can become a positive presence in our lives, and a source of great power in our service for others. I'll say that again. Quite miraculously, our wounds can become a positive presence in our lives and a source of great power in our loving service for others. I've often reflected and said out loud, most of my reflections I do say out loud, that Any nominal insight I have into the pain and loss of others comes from my own darkest times. Our invitation, then, is to learn to look at loss and pain, our loss and pain, with new eyes, with the eyes of possibility. Rather than seeking to avoid pain at all costs, it's the cultural norm, isn't it? Perhaps we can face our pain, explore our pain, maybe even dance with our pain. Madeleine Lengel is best known as the author of the award-winning children's novel A Wrinkle in Time, and a movie of that was made not that long ago. Or at least it feels like not that long ago to me, <laughs> maybe more recent than that, or more, more distant than that. But she was much more than that. As well as a prolific author of children's fiction, she, also wrote, she was also a theologian and poet, and she wrote adult literature, devotional material, and poetry. Her poetry in particular has been a foundational element for Alicia and myself in our marriage and our lives of faith. 
exposing and articulating things for which we otherwise probably wouldn't have words. Here are some of her words on her relationship with pain. Pain is a partner I did not request. This is a dance I did not ask to join. Whirled in a waltz where I would stop and rest, jolted and jerked, I ache in bone and loin. Pain strives to hold me close in his embrace. If I resist and try to pull away, his grasp grows tighter, closer comes his face, hotter his breath. If he is here to stay, then must I learn to dance this painful dance, move in its, to its rhythm, keep my lagging feet in time with his. Thus have I a chance to work with pain, and so may pain defeat. Pain is my partner. If I dance with pain, then may this wedlock be not loss, but gain. Our service today is a movement in that dance with our loss, grief, and pain. The dance will continue for all of us, and some days we'll dance better than others. Some days we'll feel like there's no dance left in us. But there is a trajectory to the dance. Today we will end our service by lighting the hope candle, and it is critically important to grasp the nature of that hope. It's not the hope that we'll f we will stop hurting and feel better about ourselves. The hope is in the completion of God's great and glorious work of redemption of all of creation. And here and now, we are mysteriously invited to participate in that work. It's ridiculous, I know, but it's true. And our wounds, our losses, our suffering can become a part of that work because that great work of redemption, a work that began in the eternal mind of God and which saw its culmination on the cross, that work is ongoing in our own lives today. Not just to rescue us from our pain, but to rescue and redeem the pain itself so that we might be empowered to step into our small part in that remarkable, great, and glorious work. It's no accident that our psalm today is the one psalm most closely tied to the crucifixion of Jesus. I'm sure you heard the echoes as we read it. They have pierced my hands and feet. They divide my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. And that first line, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The very words that Jesus said on the cross. In reflecting again on this psalm as a psalm of lament, and its deliberate linking with the story of the crucifixion, I wondered if maybe we could see the crucifixion itself as a sort of psalm of lament. The cross was where everything seemed to go wrong with indescribable pain and shocking abandonment. The tomb was the wave of darkness, desolation, and despair that so often sweeps over all who sorrow. But then there's Sunday morning. Resurrection morning, when the song of praise overtakes both heaven and earth and nothing is ever the same again. From here on out, 
All lament bears within it the seeds of resurrection. We lament. We dance with our pain. That dance, however disjointed and dissonant, has a trajectory and a goal. The dance moves through the excruciating pain and abandonment and into the dark night of despair. But not total darkness, not total despair. For we will light a candle. Amen. We step into the final movements of our service as we read the conclusion of Psalm 22, where the psalmist guides us into the discipline of praise and thanksgiving. But you, O Lord, do not be far off. O you, my help, come quickly to my aid. Deliver my soul from the sword. Save me from the mouth of the lion. You have rescued me from the horns of the wild oxen. I will tell of your name to my brothers and sisters. Congregation, I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All the offspring of Jacob, glorify him. And stand in awe of him, all you offspring of Israel. For he has not despised or abhorred the affliction of the afflicted, and he has not hidden his face from him, but has heard when he cried to him. From you comes my praise in the great congregation. My vows I will perform before those who fear him. The afflicted shall eat and be satisfied. Those who seek him shall praise the Lord. May your hearts live forever. Amen. As we continue reading the very next psalm, Psalm 23, it evokes for us the enduring image of God as our shepherd. There is great comfort in the assurance that God can be our guide and our protector, even in the darkest valley. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. You've just listened to a podcast from Little Trinity Church in Toronto. 
Please check out our website at www.littletrinity.org to find out more about our ministries and services. 